0: Welcome to another episode of the RAG podcast, uh, the original name of the Recruitment Agency Growth Podcast, hosted by myself, Sean Anderson, the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media. Um, I'm delighted today, though, to be launching uh, a a new form of the show, effectively, which involves um, our Australian cousins, I think we could probably call them. Um, And I'm delighted to be joined by my uh, partner in crime over there, Pete Watson, the founder of Mint r2r and the host of the recruitment journeys podcast so pete i'm excited to be uh, co-hosting the show with you welcome
1: thank you sean can you promise me the opportunity to
0: get at least five words in edgeways yeah I reckon, I reckon four is a guaranteed and five to six is a, is a <laughs> we call it a bank and a stretch target right um and today for the first episode of this of this show uh, I'm going to give Pete credit for 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 bringing uh, such a such a great person into into the fray. But we've uh, we're joined by Stephen Carter, um, a partner of, of Sharp and Carter, uh, who are. I mean, I'll let you talk about it, Steve. But um, a very well known recruitment organisation in Australia, headquartered in Victoria. So, Steve, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ron. It's
2: good, it's good to be here.
0: An absolute pleasure. Um, so it's. It's eight o'clock in the UK. Um, most people, if they are listening, say hello. Tell us if you're if you if you're watching us on LinkedIn Live. Let us know if you're watching. Say hello. Tell us where you are. Um, have a break from your cornflakes. Um, and it's seven p.m. I believe where you guys are. So thanks for giving up your your Thursday evenings for this. And if you're listening back on on the podcast or YouTube, um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's 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 really important that these people are giving up the time on a Thursday evening in Australia for for our market. So Steve, do us a favor, just. For, for the listeners' benefit, those who don't know you, especially in the UK, tell us who you are and what and a bit about the business you, you own.
2: Sure. So Sharpen Carter is a white-collar middle management recruiter. So we recruit uh, accounting roles, legal roles, IT positions, um, uh, sales and marketing roles. Uh, in, in Australian dollars, their role is generally between the sort of $80,000 a year and $250,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So, Pete, what would that be in pounds?
1: Oh, wow. So what was, what was those numbers you just quoted again? 80, 200? 80 to, 80 to 250. Uh, okay, so it'd be more like 50 to 170. God, you're yeah. You just hammered him there. Oh God. God. Oh Sorry, mate. You can stay on your toes, Pete. If, we're, 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 if that's going the calibre of questions, I'm going to leave right now.
0: Pete was already like, what time does this finish? He's already had one head on, on the way out. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, talking about mid-level roles. All right, tell us a bit more.
2: So we are 100 people. Uh, uh, we have two offices in Melbourne, two offices in Sydney and one office in Brisbane. Uh, we've been around for 10 years or 11 years now. Um, and uh, And our client base is what chartered firms would term commerce and industry customers. So they're not banks, not insurance, not superannuation. Um, it's uh, it's fast-moving consumer goods businesses, retail businesses, professional services, important distribution, transport, logistics,
0: manufacturing. Those sort of customers uh,
2: where we operate.
0: Wicked. And um, Pete, would you say reputation-wise, well-known in in the in the Australian market? Oh, here we go. Oh,
1: Another <laughs> tough question. <Here> we again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, you know, tier one business, uh, and I've worked with with Carter for quite a few years. And uh, Sharp, w- working with Shapen Carter is pretty easy because when you send a candidate down to Shapen Carter, they usually come back and, and tell me that they want to work there. So, uh, the, Look, the, the, the right. business,
0: what's the feedback? What's what's the uh, what's the general consensus they come back with?
1: Uh, Shapen Carter people tend to be. Uh, of a certain, cut from a certain cloth. They just tend to be normal, decent, high-performing, but down-to-earth recruiters, very little ego within the business. Um, yeah, just good people, which fundamentally what, what attracts other good people.
0: Well, when you've got 100 good people as well, it's, uh, it shows, you know, it's a lot of good people to be around, isn't it? Um, sounds good. So whereabouts in, uh, do you say you got two offices in Melbourne? Two in Melbourne, yeah. Yep. One in the city, one in the suburbs? Correct. Yeah. Well, I, I remember I started my career at Randstad in, in uh, the Rialto Towers and we had so many Melbourne offices, like all of the regional places. There's so many of them dotted around. I was like, how many How many do you need? It's not that big a place, surely, but uh, it is the way the, the market works. Um, so one of the things, I mean, obviously we've worked together quite recently in the Hoxha Academy, Steve. And so I've, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you Um over over the last few months and it's been it's been great but one one thing that stood out was you know we were having a chat as a group and and one of the questions i asked you was you know when did you know you wanted to be a recruitment owner and your story about when you launched i suppose you know the the point of this show is to talk about covid and the lockdown and all the rest of it but you started your business in a difficult period so you were you know you couldn't have you couldn't have chosen it so tell us a little bit about the the, the period you chose to kick off sharpen and cut
2: yeah so i was uh, 10 years at michael page and uh uh and i you know I, i did did well there and was going for a director's role and uh the global financial crisis hit and you know where there was once three directors roles there was now only two and um i missed out and uh i moved moved divisions so i moved into a great seat it was a it recruitment seat that was recruiting into banking and finance clients and it built a million dollars the year before which is about as good as you can do yeah. in recruitment in australia um but i was calling up the national australia bank and the anz and saying all right guys you spent you know um 300 dollars worth of margin each last year uh what needs do you have and they were saying oh stephen have you not heard, like, there's a global financial crisis. We're, we don't know if we're going to be around, or if we're going to be open next week. We are not recruiting. Yeah. And uh, essentially, I, I just felt like I'd always recruited commerce and industry, and I, I just felt like if I'm going to start again developing a whole new set of relationships in banking and finance, maybe I should do it for myself. And uh, and so I started during the GFC, and it, it did... It wasn't as bad i think in australia as what it was in in other parts of the world because it, we had a sort of mini commodity boom quite soon after but um uh yeah i i was really i, I didn't really have much sort of ambition or or um or hopes for the business i, I was just hoping to to uh, Provide a living for my family and put food on the table, and um, you know, and there's been a lot of luck along the way with um, with people, and and uh, you know, we've 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 gone gone from there. But it wasn't a you know, it, it, it particularly particularly at this time. It's probably a similar time for for lots of people. And um, uh, I wrote a, a great post off the back of you asking me that question, Sean, and and um, said just. Just because things are uncertain at the moment doesn't mean they're certainly bad. Yeah, because things were really uncertain for me during the the global financial crisis, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So that uncertainty is not doesn't mean it's certainly going to be a bad thing. Well, I think
0: I don't know if you'd agree, Pete, but you know when you start a business, there's a level of uncertainty anyway. Like you know, like if the market's good or bad, you don't know if you're capable. <laughs> you don't know. You know. I think everyone is led led to believe or probably feels like you know did i really do that well or was it the company i worked for like was you know you don't you, you doubt yourself you have all these feelings and and so uncertainty's there regardless but doing it in a time like a, an actual global crisis is i mean that takes some some balls i think um
1: and, and 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 for for reasons known only to themselves so many people are starting recruitment businesses right now um and i think that's 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 partly because they just they can smell the opportunity that's around the corner, or they've been forced into it because of their COVID circumstances. Yeah, you know, it was something that they planned to do anyway, but then the yeah. choice has been thrust upon them. And subsequently, you know, one of the byproducts of this this situation is that we're going to come into 2021, and there's going to be lots and lots of little, um, you know, as you say, Steve, you know, small, unambitious recruitment businesses, as Sharp and Carter was one day, which in five, six, seven years' time might be. 70, 80, 100 people. Um, yeah. and that and, and that will have happened because of COVID. It, it could change the landscape of recruitment.
0: I want to get into the kind of the lockdown stuff soon, but one question I have for you, Stephen. Did you did you see a hundred man business back then? Did you always know you wanted to scale and grow headcount? Or is it, like how did that happen?
2: Uh, no, absolutely not. Like, and and I've never and I still don't think about business in that way where I set milestone goals where at the end of 2021 our business should look like this and um you know i think i think the word strategy is is um is misdefined a lot uh, by business so people think about strategy as okay At a certain period of time i should be this many headcount i should be uh, this much turnover this much margin profit etc and i don't think that's strategy that's your growth plan strategy is better defined as the continual improvement and refinement of your competitive advantage and um, so we've got a great strategy it's all about how we look after our people look after and retain our people and the growth has taken care of itself so no, never once did I think we will be 100 people. I always thought I'd like the opportunity to lead and and, and manage others and, and give them an opportunity, but no, I never set goals to be a certain size or, or anything like that.
0: Fair, interesting. So if we go back to early 2020 then, what what did your business look like as, as COVID hit? Can you paint a picture for us where you and the company were in, in say, early March 2020?
2: Yeah, so we were about one hundred and fifteen people at that stage, so about fifteen people more than what we are now, and uh, things were were great. Um, so we, on the fifth of March, we had we were we were recruiting three hundred and fifty one jobs across Australia. Wow. Um, and then in seven weeks, we dropped to ninety one jobs. So that we, we dropped 74% in in seven weeks. So it just fell off a cliff. Um, and uh, and it was really, you know, and I, I think we spoke earlier, Sean, about this, that I think, you know, the UK had that period as well of panic and when not currently at that stage in the UK, uh, businesses understand they need to keep the wheels turning, they need to keep recruiting. And you, I'm sure that the UK would be similar to... to what we are experiencing now when we're we're now sort of 35 percent down on our pre-coronavirus levels um uh rather than 74 percent down
0: so you you've got a big team 115 people across all these offices you're the you're you mean your name's on the door right sharp and Carter. um what what was it really like being like at the helm of such a big organization, and what what was the reality of the conversations, the phone calls you were getting? Like how how did you navigate it in the very very earliest moments?
2: So uh, Greg Savage, who I know does a lot of work in the UK, he his his rule of thumb was in a recession you can expect a fifty uh, percent drop in permanent margin, and you can expect a twenty five percent drop in in temporary margin. And we thought we were looking at about a 60% drop overall. So that that in our temp per mix, that 50-25 would have relate, resulted in a 40% drop in margin for us. And we, based on our job numbers, we were looking at a 60% drop. So it was much more significant than a normal sort of recession by the Greg Savage rule of thumb. And... Uh, and we really had to take drastic action to try and uh, save and, uh, yeah, I suppose save the business so that it survived, survived the other side. Um, and so what we, what we felt like we had, we basically put everyone on reduced wages, um, significantly reduced wages and said to them that we will pay you whatever we can afford. Above and beyond this, this reduced wage, reduced base wage, but we just don't know what that is because we have no visibility on our on our um, revenue line. We've also got limited visibility on our cash flow. That was a huge concern at, the, at that moment back in April, um, and uh, and so it was just it was incredibly confronting, really scary, and I felt I felt like I'd let everyone down. So you you know, there's a lot of. um, I suppose you take a lot of responsibility on when you uh, when you employ people, and when you know you feel like you've let them down. Um, uh, I I think that um, adversity like that though it doesn't it doesn't build the culture of your business, but it reveals the culture of your business and and what was great. uh, what was great to see was that my culture was incredibly strong and all the people stuck by me and said yeah we'll we'll stick by, we'll stick it out and um you know get get through to the other side and we trust you that you will you won't rip us off you'll pay whatever you can afford to get us back up as close as possible to normal salary levels so um yeah so that adversity you know really revealed our culture which was which was strong
0: how do you communicate that message like what what did you did you call people one-on-one? Did you do it on Zoom? Like how did you communicate to 115 people that their salaries would be dramatically affected?
2: Well, this is one of the really uh, difficult complexities of COVID. Like, usually in a situation like that, you can eyeball them. You can just sit yeah. down one-on-one. You can just work your way through the business and explain in detail what's happening, etc. You can't do that because it's illegal it was illegal in australia you can't get together you can't travel you we were a five you couldn't travel more than five kilometers from your house you could only leave the house to get shopping and seek medical medical attention so it was it was incredibly difficult so it meant we had to do it on zoom um uh and and it was and it's also it's also very difficult because in a situation like that you band together and you, you all support each other and you say, well, it's bad for me, but it's, it's bad for my workmate, and we're in it together and, you know, we're like I'm not alone. But under COVID when you're all at home, it's much more difficult and then you've got the crazy father who's going, hang on, so they're doing what? They're not paying you. You go and find another job, young man. And, you know, he, the crazy father's never met me. He doesn't trust me. He doesn't know me. And, you know, so they've got all these people who don't know what the situation is. They've got, they're uninformed, uneducated, and they're giving advice to my people because, and I can't give them advice and I'm not around. I can't see them every day. So it, it's, um, yeah, it, it's really, it's, it's a really unique set of circumstances and there's just so, much, so many challenges that it
0: throws up. I'm interrupting this podcast to give you another update from our sponsor, Odro. The team at Odro have launched another feature in summer 2020, and it's going to be a game changer. This is going to massively change the way the recruitment agency market operates globally for the future. They've called it Odro Producer. This platform sits alongside the company's award-winning video interview opportunity um, and gives you, the recruiter, the ability to create engaging, eye-catching video content ready to share in a matter of minutes. So you can record or upload a video um, and then you can add banners, overlays, images, subtitles, logos, so that you can create these eye-catching videos that are built for LinkedIn. So whether you're interviewing, whether you're doing sales messaging, or you're just trying to put out valuable content on, online, then Odro is no longer just a video interview platform. It's also a content creation platform for recruiters. Get in touch with Odro today to see how you can implement this into your recruitment agency, ASAP. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show,
1: Steve. Aside from um, the the initial concern about you not know, losing some money on a salary, what what else were your people telling you that they were they were worried about? What else did they? What what other the answers were they seeking from you?
2: They wanted to know that the business was going to survive mm. and um, that it was it was viable and uh, and what what we You know there's a number of options and i i uh, i i wrote an article which i'll release at some stage down the track but once it's all a distant memory but you're faced with when you've got such a drastic reduction in your revenue line you've got you've only got certain options as a recruitment business and you've got to find a way to cut costs because um and your costs are salaries that's your only cost really and so um So you can do that a number of ways. Like some recruiters, they didn't pay out bonuses from Q1. And then you can use that money that you never thought you'd have to guarantee wages going into Q2. Mm -hmm. You can cut just a little bit. You know, okay, I'm only going to cut 20%, go back to four days a week. But then, you know, we didn't know whether that was going to meet our new revenue line. And then we were worried about, well, maybe this will be death by a thousand cuts because you go, okay, everyone comes to term with four days a week and then you've got to go back to them a month later and go, okay, now it's three days a week. Oh, God, sorry, we missed it again. It's now two days a week. And we decided we'd go hard as we could so at least all the bad news, wasn't going to get worse than that because it was, you know, it was as low as we could cut it. And then from there, we the, the news would get better. So, and it, it's it's worked it hasn't been perfect by any stretch, and I'm not trying to represent that it was genius or anything like that because it was, you know, it was, it was really difficult. But um, it's on balance probably worked out well, I think, for us.
0: What did you see elsewhere in the market, Pete, across, you know, other organizations of um, similar size or stature in, in the Australian market?
1: Well, look, there aren't that many that are that are a similar size and stature to, to Sharp and Carter. That's that's the that's the truth of the matter. Is so. So Steve probably had a, a different set of problems to, to most of the recruitment businesses. And then the bigger businesses, you know, the, the Hayes, the Michael Pages of, of this world, you know, they were, you know, they didn't have things like um, you know Job Keepers and, and what have you. They didn't because they were they were international businesses. So I'm not suggesting Steve's uh, circumstances were un- unique, but there wouldn't have been many businesses working with with the factors that steve was working with um but most businesses you know they they look they, they they cut hard they, they, they made, of, made redundancies they got rid of back office staff they got rid of non-performers um somebody a, a business leader who shall obviously remain nameless uh confided in me last week he said covid was perfect he gave us uh gave us the perfect opportunity to you know to get rid of a few people who you know we, we probably didn't want to carry anymore and um uh, yeah people just they just they just cut everywhere that they possibly could how did they you feel you... uh,
2: steve sorry, I'd, they I'd... They often, go on they often cut um junior staff because if you if they've got less if they've been with you less than 12 months you don't have to pay them a redundancy package so they get rid of all their younger you know newer staff and you know last in first out sort of thing yeah
0: how how did you personally feel going through that period, Steve? Like, can you take us back to the sort of the thoughts that went through your head, the the way you were feeling throughout the day? Uh,
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, I felt awful, I felt horrible. I felt like I'd let everyone down, and um, I felt like uh, it was. I was it, at the time when you, you know, on the. The 29th of April when I'm looking at we've only got 91 jobs on and um, down from 351 the future was looking pretty grim uh, and uh, I, I felt terrible that we'd made the decision that we had but fortunately the government support's been quite good in Australia um, we were able to basically for 90 to 95% of our people across the six months we paid them um, full wages. You know, we topped back up to that level, so it's you know it wasn't. It was a period of time, you know, maybe maybe a month or so where it was panic stations. But um, yeah, we the 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 cash flow held up really well. The revenue held up much better than expected, and um, and yeah, we got through it relatively unscathed.
1: I love it. So, so you said a couple of times now you felt like you were letting everybody down. What, 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 can you expand on that? Because clearly this was totally beyond your control.
0: Exactly.
1: Mm. What, why, why did you feel that you were letting people down?
2: Uh, well, I suppose our, our strategy, which I mentioned earlier about uh, sort of how we look after and retain our people, Sharpen Card has always been a people first business. So we put the interests of our people before the interests of our business and um and so this was a pivot from that in some ways like we had to protect the business so that we could keep employing our people longer term so that was so it was a, a departure from our strategy in some ways that you know the people needed to make sacrifices to protect the business and it was you know that that relationship was swinging around back the other way so i suppose that that gives you some sense of why I felt like people were, I was letting people down because I'd always preached, we put you first. Um, and this was a time I had to put the business first.
1: Were there, were there any people within your, because it's, it's a big business, were there any people within that 100 plus people who rang you up and said, Steve, this this isn't cool? Did anybody challenge you on it? Or did, it, did everybody
2: Yeah, I mean, we had a few people leave, you know, and, and, um, uh, and, jump ship uh, and not not many or was It was like maybe four out of mm-hmm. out of 115 um so uh they didn't challenge me on it but they left because of it yeah. and yeah. um you know and, and it was understandable they they just got a bought a house and there was no guarantee of anything here and there was another firm offering a guarantee and um and they they took it
0: so there must have been a bit of bit of movement in the market around those times um because of you know some people trying to capitalize on on others on other situations well one thing i want to move into is is the the obviously the the, the purpose of this is is around giving insights into the the lockdown experience for the uk market i i said it before we went on air i actually don't think correct me if you're listening and you think it's still slightly different i don't think this Second lockdown in the UK is anywhere near as as, as scary or as um, as strict as the first. I think, and, and and I think businesses are holding up much better. But we don't know how long this is going to be. We've been told it's a month. No one seems to have any faith that's going to be accurate. And we, the fact they've just extended our furlough scheme until March, there's a lot of thoughts that you know we're going to be in and out of this. They might let us out for Christmas, but we'll be back in in January until things are you know this vaccine or whatever is stable. So. You mentioned something before, Pete, you said six weeks was the initial Victorian statement around the lockdown and it ended up being what, seven months, was it? So tell us a bit about. Yeah.
1: And, and and I remember and I don't know if it's the same for you, Steve. but I remember when we went into the first lockdown for that six week period, the camaraderie, um, you know, the, the, the novelty factor. You know my family we even baked scones we, <laughs> we 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 strapped a milk crate to one of our bikes and we cycled around the neighborhood delivering scones like 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 that was ridiculous um it was like that <laughs> yeah in the blitz i
0: saying <laughs>
1: with fresh cream and jam it was lovely um but then the novelty wore off right and and we and we just descended deeper and deeper into lockdown and then just the mood changed the mood changed and you know speaking personally i just Every day, it was literally a rollercoaster. You know, you, you woke up and one day, you were okay, and you think, "Yeah, I can. I can you know, we can get through this thing, and we're going to be all right." And then the following day, absolutely defeated by it, absolutely defeated by lockdown, and um, and you, know, you, you just didn't know when it was going to end. And that was the, that was the problem. Not when that six weeks extent when that six weeks extended, and then extended again, and we didn't know when it was going to
0: end. It was awful. So I, I started working with you, Stephen. I think it was. Was it June when when you when you got yeah. announced to go? Did, had you guys come out a little bit and then you went back in? Yeah, um, correct. How long, how long yeah. were you out? Because I think it was literally the day after you went back in, we kicked off our our program, and I remember looking at fifteen of you guys, all majority in Victoria, and feeling, wow, like you know, this is rock bottom for some of you. Well, how long were you out before you went back in for that second wave of lockdown? It wasn't long, like three weeks or something, Pete. Yeah, a few
1: weeks wasn't much just enough to taunt
0: us (laughs) it's uh but i remember seeing everyone's faces and and that was june and then you've only been out for like two weeks now so what what was as as time went on what was the hardest part of that like being a, a father a husband and a business owner you know, and and all the other roles you play in your life as a friend and, you know, son, brother, whatever. Like, what what were the biggest challenges you've personally faced, Stephen, throughout that extended lockdown?
2: Uh, So, for me, it was the kids, my kids. I've got three kids. Pete's got a couple of kids. um, And I think, ultimately, they make the biggest sacrifice because – you know, if you think about what you do with your kid when you're a kid, you you play with your friends, you go to school, and they can't do either of those things. You know, they, they weren't able to go to school and they weren't able to play with their friends, and so that was the biggest um, uh, difficulty of, of the lockdown is just were were my kids okay? Um, is they were making such a huge sacrifice for um, for for the health of the community, um, and then you know from from there. It was about looking after yourself first, um, because as a leader, you've got to be okay. You know, your your actions are going to speak louder than any words that you say. And if you come across as stressed and anxious and fearful, then that that's going to come through into your business. So you've got to be kind to yourself. and um, And uh, and and I felt like we really needed to lead through understanding rather than lead through. Metrics or performance, you know, that, that um you just can't drive performance remotely like you can when they're in the office. And you've got to accept that. And you've got to understand that you're probably not going to get as much out of people as what you used to. But the reality is, there's not as much around, you know, with 40% down on job volumes, getting our people to. Cold call endlessly is only going to alienate people. You know, alienate our people more than more than help our people. So, yeah. But the, the biggest difficulty was kids. And what about you, Pete? Mm. Um, I,
1: I, it was the hardest part for me was getting up each day, knowing that I couldn't, um, I didn't, I didn't have a business, uh, and, and knowing that I couldn't actually make money. Or do the things that, that 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 I've done for the last 17 years in order to, to have, a, have a financial outcome. And but I refused to do what I I think a lot of people did, was which was just bury their head in the sand, um, you know, give themselves some time off. Uh and just, yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't neglect the business because I knew neglecting the business was the worst thing I could do. But equally I knew I couldn't make money. So I had to be. Proactive and productive somehow. So you do that, you're trying to throw yourself into a business and you think you're scratching your head thinking, well, what, is, what is the point? What am I doing this for? But you had to do it for your sanity. Um, just because the alternative, I just couldn't even fathom the alternative. And at the same time, as you say, Steve, you've got two kids homeschooling who are doing it just as tough as you. So you're trying to be a good parent and, and keeping them engaged when, quite frankly, if I'm honest. I don't know about your family's state, but we were all, you know, by the end of COVID, we were all absolutely sick of each other, mm-hmm. and um, you yeah, know, we come downside each other, so you're trying oh, to keep the business going. But I, is- I'm a business leader,
0: yeah. Pete, what is it? What is a day like, like towards the back end of that? Like you said, we're all sick of each other, and that is a that's kind of what, I, what the difference in the UK is schools are open, right? So the, that is the biggest difference in this lockdown to the previous schools are open, so they've kept schools, universities, education open, manufacturing. Um construction some really core and obviously healthcare and anything key worker related so there is it's not the same as the original so it is going to be different but you know there's no there's no guarantee that won't change there's no guarantee they won't shut the schools if, if the cases don't come down that's the next phase in my opinion they'll bring the schools and the, and the universities yeah. again so then we could go back there what what does what does a day look like in your life I'll start with you Pete and then we'll move to Steve but when you're at you're at the kind of end of your tether, in a in a in a way of putting it, with your family, and you've got a business that's that's not not how it was. What, what's a, what's an average day like? How do you keep that going? Like what what does it look physically look like?
1: Well, thankfully, the one thing that didn't take away from us was exercise. Uh, so so for me, I I just I, I exercised through it. I had to, um, and I'm not I'm not like a super fit human being. I'm not a good runner, but I just made sure I went out and I ran. And uh, that was the only thing you could, you could keep the cloud away. And Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Um, yeah, you, would, you, would, you would just find yourself wandering around the house, you know, looking for something to do, uh, to, trying to think of something creative to do with your kids and then, then abandoning it because it was too hard. Um, it, you know, you know, we literally became, well, in my household, we became zombies. Um, the, 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 there's, no, there's no cool answer to give you. It was It
0: was grim one thing I've realized is you have less to talk about because you're not doing anything. So yeah. I rang I rang someone at the weekend. I was like, what have you been up to? what did you yesterday? He goes, I went for a walk. I was like, all right, cool. What about today? Yeah, probably go for a walk. And he goes, what about you? I was like, I went for a walk yesterday. I'll probably go for a walk today. And that is it, right? Fucking that is it. I'm like, I love a walk, but that is not good chat. What about you, Steve? What how was it in your house at, towards the back end?
2: Yeah, I'd I'd, um, I'd mirror Pete's comments, I, and I, and I'm sure Pete would would also say this. Um, you gotta you gotta um, hang on to the positives of it. Like you do get to we you do get to spend a lot more time with your kids, you know. And and there's there's a there's a positive in that. Um, you know, as a business owner, when you're you're running around working pretty hard, you you don't spend a lot of time with your kids. And it was a six month period where I spent a heap of time with them and you know there's there's a real win in that um and uh you know like my one of my divisions they they set some good routines um and i think there's some wins that come out will come out of this for the recruitment industry like picking up a job with a client you know will just now be done on zoom Mm. you don't have to schlep your way out 45 minutes on the tube or on the train or in the car to go and see a client and then 45 minutes back like you save yourself that's an hour and a half of your day saved yeah that will be saved forever because if you know a client just jump on a zoom and take the job brief you don't need to go and meet them face to face so -hmm. there'll be some advantages that come out of it and you know things like you do just get yourself into a good routine like um Uh, one of the accountabilities that we had within our business is every day you had to try and do something for yourself, something for work, something for your mental health, something for you, something for someone else, something for your physical health, and you had to try and practice gratitude. And, you know, these are good sort of disciplines to get into um, that you just don't, you know, it forces you to assess these things and and take action on these things. Um, So there's you know, there,
0: there are some wins that, that come out of it. A final interruption to today's episode to introduce Vincere. Vincere is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform built for the recruitment and staffing industry. Now, I first heard about these guys about a year ago. The amount of prospect recruitment agencies and clients I was working with that were telling me they were moving over to Vincere, I had to look into it. And what I found was a business that had a global reach um, with multiple offices around the world. So they've got this follow the sun methodology, which allows them to support recruitment businesses wherever you are and, have, and, and be in your time zone. But the technology that they've invested in um, is becoming a disruptor in the space. More and more recruitment businesses are doing this to give their, their recruiters a competitive advantage. They broke into the G2 Crowds momentum grid as a market leader based on their reviews from their customers. So the, the agencies that are using this platform are raving about it. Now, if you're a RAG listener and you're thinking about changing CRM or you're a new business looking to launch with a new CRM, then I would get in touch with, the, with these guys because if you mention that you're a RAG listener, they're doing an amazing deal. By visiting www.vincere.io forward slash RAG, you can get an exclusive deal which offers two months completely free on a two-year commitment or three months completely free on a three-year commitment. This applies to all licenses that you've either signed up for now or that you'll add in the duration of the contract. So get on there and have a look. Finally, if you're listening to your recruiter and you're thinking, I want to move into a more of a business development role, um, and I'd like to keep hold of my recruitment knowledge. Well, these guys are recruiting for a BD person, well, multiple roles in both Sydney and London right now. So if you've got a strong recruitment background, you wanna move into BD, and you wanna work for a fast moving tech business that's helping people like you right now, then get in touch via their website because they're hiring today. Back to the show.
1: Did you find that the people within your business who embraced those ideas, they got through COVID better than the people who didn't struggled?
2: Oh, well, I think absolutely. Like the people that were barely managing before shutdown didn't manage during shutdown. So the people that were just sort of run, you know, they were like, um, you know, ducks, their feet were going in a million miles an hour under the surface and life was, you know, they were just barely hanging on in life. You know, they didn't exercise, they didn't have good friends, they didn't have good hobbies, you know, they didn't have good relationships, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Everything's okay until it's not okay and COVID is a time when it's not okay. Mm. So you know those people really struggled, but the people that did have those good sort of fundamentals and pillars in life tended to be okay through it because um, uh, they're pretty well practiced and disciplined at doing those things that uh, build up a you know fulfilling, satisfying life.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think Helen Helen Cairns has just said, uh, "Glad I'm not the only one going for a walk." Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely uh, we're we're all we're all getting our step count up. I'm sure what. One thing I found, I don't know if you guys agree, but I had this like overwhelming feeling of like, like I can't let, I can't let a day go by without, I can't let a day go by by being like mediocre at this point. Like I, I said to myself, I'm not going to have a day where I'm not on top form in terms of, so I, I exercise more. I didn't drink. I ate better foods. Um, I, I just said, I cannot afford a day right now where I'm like average. For my people, for my clients, for the brand, for everything, I just said I have to be the best version of me I can be because it's ne- it shouldn't. It, I don't know how it's ever going to get harder than this. Like it might do, but this is the worst I've ever seen in business. Um, did you ever feel like that? Like you, you know, you've got a responsibility more than if one of your teams has a bad day. Like I've had phone calls saying, "Sean, I just I'm struggling today," and it's like that's okay. But I don't I never felt like I could be like that. Like I, I went through some real shit in lockdown. Pete knows more about it. And, you know, I, I flew to Spain. And I lived five weeks on my own in Ibiza. And I didn't have a day off. I didn't even have a fucking weekend a day off, I don't think. I worked every single... Because I I just felt I had a responsibility. I don't know. Did, did you feel... Did, Steve, did you ever feel like that?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. And that's why you run a business. Because you've got that inbuilt built in yourself that you've got to lead from the front and you've got to be the most positive and the most high-performing. And so it's a great trait. And, and my business partner, Anthony Holdstocks, you know, very, very similar. But you've also got to be kind to yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you, you are a human being and you can't be up 100% of the time. Um, but I, I do like your point around um, uh, being the best version of yourself in order to give yourself the most chance to be up all the time like i we talk about with my business partners clawing advantage how do you claw advantage in life so you can cope with more stress and more responsibility and that comes from things like well you have to eat better you have to make sure you're disciplined with your exercise you can't drink because you can't afford to have you know the down day with the hangover um uh you know, you have to spend time with your family. You have to make sure you're seeing your kids. You know, seeing your friends. You have to do your hobbies. You have to make sure that you're clawing as much advantage as possible. Are you sleeping well, etc., etc.? I think that's there's a lot in that that you know you got to. like if you're going home and smashing a bottle of wine every night, forget it. You're not going to be up and about the next day. You no. just can't.
0: So. Mm not for the sustainable period either no chance oh.
1: um what i found uh i found ironically um I, I reckon i worked harder through COVID than i've possibly worked in the last 10 years uh it was it was just weird it was just i, I knew i had to lift my game because i've become so complacent um prior uh, prior, prior to COVID, and i just knew i had to dig deep because I sort of made a decision that this this was a this was a moment in time and when all said and done, need to be able to kind of look my family in the eye and, and be able to, to know that I, I did my best for them. Uh, and, and my best was 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 working hard. And I knew that if I didn't do that and I just kind of pulled, pulled the duvet of my, my head, I'd be I'd be racked with with guilt and shame. And it may or may not have worked, time will tell, but at least, you know, I've got peace of mind that I I did my best. I think it will have worked. I mean,
2: yeah. I've said this to you before, Pete, it, it has worked. It may not have worked financially yet, but in terms of your um, market presence through some of the things you've learnt from Sean and, um, you know, you, you're absolutely the number one wreck-to-wreck in Australia in my eyes. And and that that's part, you know, that's partly from your service, but it's also partly from your brand and your presence. And all of those things came out of COVID. I, it's really ramped up during COVID you know, like, the, your presence in the market.
1: So I think great things have come out of it. I, well, this is funny. I only reached out to that, to that bloke called Sean Anderson because I was shitting myself about uh, earning money for the next two years. So I'd, I'd seen this bloke on the internet with the grey hair and uh, I thought, I sh- he, he must want to come to Australia. I better pick up the phone to him. And I started pitching myself to, to Sean uh, about bringing Hawks to Australia. And next minute, I'm on the Academy, learning all the things that he, he teaches us. And next minute, you know, I've, 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 it's working on, on LinkedIn. So again, these are all, all cool.
0: I mean, the Academy was a funny one. I mean, I, I planned it two years before. So I sat down in the summer of 2018 and said, I want to do this. I wanted to build something. It wasn't necessarily going to be via Zoom. It was going to be like, a you know, a physical thing. Um, but I, you know, I saw this personal brand taking off. Um, And I'd I'd started to formulaically do what I was doing. Before that, I was just fucking random. I was just on video and just shouting as loud as I could every day and just, you know, just trying to get my, and it worked because no one was doing it back then. Um, But I planned it then. And then I always had a reason not to do it. And then in the first week of lockdown, I said, first thing I'm doing is going daily with the rag. And we did. And, you know, I just genuinely wanted to speak to as many people as I could. And then I was like, right, it's time to build this academy. So I sat down in the middle of in the middle of March, and I said to Amma and my business partner, "We're going to do it," and then I had it built by the middle of April, August, uh, April. Sorry, I did that all myself, um, and I was just like, "Let's go for it." And then, you know, Pete was one of the early adopters. Yourself, and and it's it's, it's created a second business revenue stream for myself. And you we know, we've now worked with over nearly two hundred recruitment leaders across the world, which has been um, incredible. It's been brilliant. What yeah, for me, the byproduct of the academy was that that I didn't think about was the actual support network that it provided each other. But me personally, I you know, you had 15 people, Stephen, in a room every week, and okay. you guys were so open. Like it was amazing. I had 150. So <laughs> I managed to bounce off every single bleeding group. So I had probably hit rock bottom in mid-June as a per, in my personal life, but everyone in the academy held me up. And I felt like I was I was floating on on, on the on the support, which was so there's been an, an incredible, I don't know, like you said, Pete, there's been an incredible camaraderie that's gone on that I hope we can take forward in some way, shape and form as we come out of this. I hope it doesn't get forgotten. You know, it's just that year that things were were shit. Um, we've had a few people joining Anita, Simon, um, Helen has said, my biggest challenge has been planning. Every plan I put in place, I'm going to show it on here. Every plan I put in place in the last six months has changed. The one thing I'm doing is staying visible and keeping in touch with my clients. Um, I think we'd all agree that, you know, you've got to be. That, I think that was, you used that word, Pete, didn't you? Visible leader, that was not a word I actually used, but you you said that would be a, a good way to communicate the, the, the strengths of the academy.
1: One of my clients said it, uh, I, I'd love to take credit for it. Bit of marketing genius from me, but it wasn't. Uh, one of my clients basically said, yep, yeah, we need to uh, we need to get onto the academy because we, we can't afford to be invisible anymore, yeah. uh, particularly now.
0: Yeah. Well, it's been amazing to see your growth, and and I've kept an eye on what you, you're doing, Steve. And and then that that takes me to the kind of where I, want, I wanted to talk about now is what does your business look like now? So, and I'm I'm not just talking about headcount. I'm talking about the way you work. So I know we're only two weeks out of lockdown, but what are the biggest differences in the operational elements of the recruitment business compared to you know the fifth of March and you you're banging out 350 jobs across Australia? What's the difference now?
2: Uh, so, in Victoria, we're not let, yet allowed back in the office, right. uh, so everyone's still working from home, although we're out of, out of lockdown, and I suppose the biggest difference is the impact on culture. So, culture is our competitive advantage in the market uh, with our, against other recruiters, and uh, you can maintain culture on you know, digitally or remotely. But it's hard to embed culture with new people and build culture uh, with with new people um, uh, remotely. So that's been the biggest impact on the business: is just how do we go about maintaining culture and um, and and building and embedding culture with with new people that come into the business? And it's it's difficult. You, you, there are there are lots of tricks you can. You know things you can do like you know we spoke earlier sean you know just just ringing up for a chat rather than ringing up to talk about work and you know and doing games trivia on zoom and all of those things but it's not the same let's face it it's 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 a poor imitation um so that that's the that's the biggest challenge and then it'll be an ongoing challenge of uh, everyone will want to work from home more without coronavirus or when the vaccine comes they'll instead of you know we've always had a day a week working from home but that's going to go to two to three days a week and that's going to that's going to be a difficult thing to grapple and i don't think i've got the answer on what it's going to look like but how do you
0: you know how do you have a really strong culture if you're just not bringing people together as much it's going to be funny i've said this on a few episodes i think going from all in to all out Kept everyone on a level playing field, and when you then blend it, which is going to happen inevitably across all, most businesses, how do you then have like morning catch-ups and all these different things? When some people are home, I think everyone in the office is still going to have to sit on Zoom, like in order to level the playing field at certain times of the day. I just otherwise you have like yeah, if you've got if you if you've got the luxury of having like a second, third, fourth meeting rooms with a screen, and you can all hover around one screen and have everyone else on the screen. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? I kind of think. it, mm the blend is actually going to provide some real challenges for companies, especially at the size and scale that you've got. Um, what, about, what about your approach to, um, to, to your own role? So, you know, I imagine flying around five offices or whatever, like, you know, jetting, jetting off to Brisbane and Sydney and driving across Melbourne, Victoria, you know, are, are you going to carry on like that? Are you going to, what, what, how, what's your approach going to be to, to get in the FaceTime with the people?
2: Uh, I, it's a bit,
0: uh, I suppose you, you don't, you, we
2: don't try and sort of uh, project too far ahead because we're not allowed to fly anywhere yet. Uh, <laughs> I, but I, I, I think that uh, I probably won't, I didn't do a heap, you know, like part of uh, one of the pillars of, of our business, um, is trust. And you know that with that comes a lot of empowerment. So the business isn't about me, and not you know everyone does what I say, and I'm just you know you you follow orders, and we'll all be okay. Uh, you know it's a it's a servant based leadership. I ask them what I can do to help them be successful, rather than tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. So um, because of that, I wasn't I wasn't you know constantly in, on a plane or in an airport flying around the country. Uh, you know I. I'd, I'd go once a month to Sydney and once a month to Brisbane. But um, uh, so, but I I think I think I can anticipate that it'll be less. Yeah, yeah. just to, you know, people get used to it and, and don't need it as much.
1: Steve, may, may I ask, um, now that COVID is well, it's certainly not behind us, but now that we're hopefully through the worst and just reflecting on this comment that you made, uh, which I, I keep coming back to about how you felt that you, you'd let everybody down, do you now? Um, are you able to look in the mirror and say, "Do you know what we, me and my my co partners, we we did a good job. We 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 pulled this business through." And, and do you now have a, a a better sense about how you reacted to COVID for on behalf of your people and on behalf of the business?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, we we as I said, we we basically paid everyone um, uh, their base salary through the time. You know, so I, I can absolutely now feel like. We did look after everyone because it wasn't like I paid them forty percent of their wages. I, I ended up paying, you know, ninety to one hundred percent of their wages. Um, so yeah, I'm really comfortable with how it's panned out and, and able to look at myself in the mirror. No problems at all. But just at the at in that moment, I felt awful because I I wasn't certain that I was going to be able to do that. And and so, um, but now, yeah, absolutely, I've got no problems feeling like I've done the right thing by everyone. And, and, you know, we've really set ourselves up now for to be able to tackle whatever comes from here um, because of those decisions that we took at the time.
0: Mm. Do you see your business going back to as close to the same type of company as it was? Or is there any fundamental things that you, you know, you say you won't do again or you'll do differently?
2: Um, I... I th- my business partner, Christian, said Wh- whether this goes a short time or a long time, it's great for us. So if this down downturn lasts a short time, fantastic. You know, we'll get back and we'll start filling jobs and we'll make good money just as much as we used to. And it'll be great. But if this goes a long time, it's great for us because we're really well placed to survive a long-term downturn and others are not. And um, uh, And when it does pick up, we'll be we'll pick up market share on the other side so yeah so i'm i'm really confident of this you know that this will be the best thing that ever happens to us you know in the fullness of time it's not that pleasant at the moment sean but
0: um amazing, way. Time, that's, an amazing yeah. that's an absolutely amazing statement though like i love that That's sort of thing that you know not many people would even fathom to say in at that sort of time but you you Whatever happens, you, you you can see an optimistic output. Um we've we got a question from Sarah Hopkins in, in Sunny Wales. Um Sarah's also right, been
2: lovely part of the world.
0: Yeah, lovely part Cardiff. Um I can also I can actually hear her voice as she as she wrote this. Um so she said question for Stephen It's so clear how passionate you are about the people first culture, but what has been your biggest challenge maintaining that through the growth the growth of COVID? Um sorry, th- through growth pre-COVID. And what would your biggest piece of advice be to a startup agency looking to create and maintain the same culture? So forget COVID, just the people first piece. What, what, what was the biggest challenge doing it? And what advice would you give to someone else who's also optimistic or, or interested in that approach, putting your business, putting your people before your business?
2: So um, I spent an hour and a half with um, Pete Watson doing a podcast on all this. So uh, um, look it up on Pete or my own um, uh, LinkedIn profile and you can listen all about it. I think um, uh, the difficulty of a people-first culture is, um, uh, and, you know, when you have trust as a pillar, people break your trust. So, you know, people do the wrong thing and they take advantage of you. And it's, it's re- your natural reaction is, well, stuff this, this doesn't work. you know, I can no longer operate like this. Um, But the reality is whether you have a trust as a pillar or a command and control um, method of running your business, stuff goes wrong. And so you've got to acknowledge and recognise that it's not about what goes wrong, because stuff goes wrong regardless of how you run your business or manage your business. Um, It's about what gives you the most upside. And the putting people first gives huge amounts more upside has certainly been our experience than trying to run a command and control model. So, but but just naturally, it's difficult to, you know, yeah. when someone does uh, do the wrong thing by you and you've trusted them, it's your you natural instinct is just protect yourself. Just, you know, let's just yeah, close, right. close ranks here. And yeah, but it, it's but you've got to you got to make sure you hang on to but hang on 98 percent of people they're doing the right thing and in trusting them they're giving me huge amounts of discretionary effort and um uh an upside that you they wouldn't be giving in another organization where they didn't feel empowered
0: what is the difference though what are the actual like features of a people first business like what how would you describe what's different like what are you doing differently to to like trust is a word we all understand, but what does it actually mean in terms of tangible like ways of working? So
2: um, just as a really simple sort of analogy or story, we had a um, our best performer, he $950,000 in a year, which, as I said, is about as good as you can do in, in recruitment in Australia. Um, and his nickname was The Chief. <laughs> and, um, uh, and every single day someone would say where's the chief and we would say no idea the chief is off doing what the chief does and he just puts results on the board now he could very well be in a billiard parlor shooting pool for all we know but you let you trust the chief that he's doing what he does and that is about you know and and when you are more about what's right for the business well, what's right for the business might be, well, you need to make sure the chief is doing a certain number of calls and floats and interviews and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't work for the chief. The chief's an enigma and he needs to run his own race. That's
0: putting can we, can we, I want to see. I've got like this silhouette of a guy who's not even got like, he's not even got a name. He's just the chief. He wears like, yeah. Yeah. he just wears like a three, a three piece and sits like smoking cigars and, and he just does yeah. deals without picking up the phone. That's what, that's what you've created in my mind.
2: Yeah. The, chief, the chief's the got his own special chair. He doesn't use a normal chair. He has to use oh, wow. a special chair with a big back and stuff like that. Yeah. i
0: like, I think we should do a one-off episode, Pete, with the chief. I think we should. <laughs> we've, got, we've got to bring him into this. Really
1: <laughs>
2: he did, I'm scared to ask. He, uh, he lives in Switzerland and he started a, um, a mental health uh, or mental fitness business. He's a very, very interesting man. He
0: would be a good guest to be a podcast. Absolutely. Is he, is he no longer the chief of Charbonkart then? No, yeah,
2: he fell in love with a, a, uh, a woman in Switzerland and he's moved to Basel in Switzerland and lives there and uh, sells mental fitness diaries around the world
0: course and he has leather bound books in his room like of course he does like he's the chief for God's sake. this guy yeah we're getting him on I'm d- i don't even know him yet but we're gonna get him on um so all right so what what that might be misconstrued to say then is you know some people are thinking sarah's second question was how do we do it as a startup so i guess the, the answer isn't just let your teams do whatever the hell they want but how would you What what is the answer to, to building that early days in an organization
2: yeah so um When we started, like the pillars of our culture are trust, care, so care for our people, and we care about them as human beings rather than as employees. Um, Generosity, we're generous to them, and humility, we're humble. Um, But when we started, all we, like our, what we are thinking, what type of business we want to create, I wanted to create a business that I would have loved to have worked in as a recruiter coming up through the ranks. Um, My business partner, he wanted to treat people with his own personal values, um, you know, treat people as he'd like to be treated. Mm. And Stocky said he wanted to be the best employer in Australia. Now, we didn't really know how that looked or that it was going to be trust, care, generosity and humility. But what we tried to do was... um, be true to those goals. So, for example, we had a guy, um, uh, another nickname, Magic. Everyone's got a nickname in Australia. Um, And Magic was with us for six weeks and he had a a lung infection that went to his brain and he got put in intensive care for about two and a half months, right? He almost died. And on the basis of trying to create a company that we would have loved to have worked within, he had all of 1.2 sick days accrued in the six weeks he'd been employed with us, and um, and we paid him for every single day he was off. Mm. Now that's just about, okay, well, if, if we are trying to put our people first, this is the sort of action you need to take to demonstrate it. Now, Magic's still with us five years later. He's one of our best performers. He's going to be a partner in the business, and he tells everyone this. He tells all the people that start. He tells all the customers. And the amount of work and, like, the the financial payoff has just been ginormous from this one little, you know, one little gesture. When it was more than one gesture, it was probably 15 grand. But the payoff has been huge. So my advice would be just start um, taking those actions that you would love to have received as an employee of a business. And then things will flow and some themes will emerge like trust, care, generosity, and you'll and, and you'll be able to explain it that way. But at the start, just start by taking people, putting people first, rather than thinking about how does this affect the business, thinking about how does this
1: affect the person. Steve, something else I remember you telling me in the, in the podcast that we did was I, I was asking you what different roles uh, each of the partners have. Um, and you said that uh, Christian, I believe, his job at that time, he only had one job, and his job was to go around the business and speak to each person individually and just ask them how they were, and just check in. and Don't talk about business, don't talk about billings, don't talk about targets, just talk how's your life, how's your relationships, how's your health, how's your family, is everything okay? Great, and then he'd move on to the next person. And then once he'd done the whole office, he'd go back to number one again. And I'd never heard that before. Um, I was curious why why christian got that job and, and not yourself
2: <laughs> um, he's a lot nicer than me Pete so
1: uh
2: <laughs> he's um you know that's that's just his strength and you know I'm okay at it but I'm not as good as him and we all play to our strengths I, I still sort of remain more customer facing than what um christian does but yeah, yeah you know it's a bit like um what's that what's that. us TV show where there's stock market the guy with the red hair um he's like a stock market Brilliant. broker. Billions. Billions. Yeah. They've got an internal psycho- psychologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's mm. what Keasy is, is an internal psychologist that, that ensures high performance because the biggest driver of performance as a recruiter within your business is how life is going for them outside of work. So if you can have an impact on how life is going for them outside, that'll drive performance
0: inside. That's true. There was a, I was speaking to it. I can't remember the exact company, but they had a, they had a fund aside That was for every single employee got like everything outside of work taken care of. So like they got their private medical insurance, which is not a standard thing in the UK with NHS, but they got it. Um, They got a buffer for like um, content insurance at home. They got they got like they had a maintenance provider that so if you had like a problem with your boiler, they the the company would fix it because they worked out that, you know, they lost so many days a year to the shit that goes on in people's lives that are just really basic admin. And so, if as a company we could say, well, you know, if you if you need to sort that bill out or that problem out, or you've got a leak, or or you need someone to go and pick up a bloody cat or whatever, like we'll figure it out so that you can be on the game, x hours a day. And I thought that was just really clever, like really really clever. I don't think they nicknamed everyone in their company though. I think that's just a sharp and cart. I think we've had the chief, we've had magic. I can't wait to hear the rest of the hundred and hundred and whatever names. Um, yeah guys, we're we're out of time. We're nine o'clock. We've been at it for an hour. I know Pete Watson, I mean, you, Steve, I've seen your kids running in the background. Pete's got, um, I think you've burnt your beans on toast before the session, Pete. So you're going to have to cook something better for, <laughs> for the kids. Um, what what I was going to say, is there, is there any questions, if there's any questions from the audience, uh, let's get them in now. Um, but final question. So what's your, I guess, what are your hopes for 2021, Steve? Like in a what what do you what are you hoping to to happen both as a company as a person um as an economy what what's your kind of vision positive vision for the future
2: yeah I'm I'm relatively bearish about 2021 uh I I think it'll stay at this level where where for us where you know we'll be in that sort of 30 to 35 percent down um for 2021 because the the government support's going to end the, the the wage subsidies that we've had in Australia will end at the end of um, March next year and i think that you know and we've had a whole lot of laws changes around sort of insolvent trading and i think we'll have a lot of businesses that have been insolvent that will go into um, go into administration and that will then lead to a higher unemployment rate. So I don't think it'll be disastrous but nor do I nor do I think we're going to snap back next year and I think it'll be more 2022 where we'll start to see more normal normal levels of activity and um and growth. Um so and and I I uh my my um my big comment to all the business leaders out there one of my 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 wife is a GP and um uh my big comment at the moment for and piece of advice for everyone uh, listening is, um, don't do what I did and be an armchair epidemiologist, because don't worry, the doctors—they're smart people—they've thought of what you're thinking. So I used to I used to march in at the home and I go, you know what they should do? They should just like just ring friends, the vulnerable, and then we can all get back to normal. This is ridiculous, and that would say. Okay, Steve, and um, so who's going to care for the vulnerable? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you know, like these elderly people, they need like carers and nurses and doctors and stuff. Are we going to ring fence them? Are we going to isolate them as well? Like they've got families they want to see and like children. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not going to work, is it? Like you just have <laughs> so much energy second guessing what the, you know, what the health experts are saying and whether the government's making the right calls and you just burn so much energy on it and don't do it. You just got to endure it. Just 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 put it aside. It's not for you to think about and to have an opinion on because your opinion does not matter. No one's listening to you. And so just focus on what's around you, your family, your friends, your work and don't worry about that because I, oh my God, I sleepless nights and spend so much energy on being an armchair epidemiologist when these epidemiologists, don't worry, they're pretty clued on. They know what's That's happening they the thought of the ideas that you're thinking of.
0: I love that. I absolutely love that. It's a bit like an armchair football fan who's like, you know, they 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 could, you know, go, Pet Guardiola should be doing this or whatever, or you know, the football team should be doing this. And as soon as you like, go on. Imagine you actually took that job. <laughs> you wouldn't. We won't be able to handle it. Um, I think everyone's gonna, everyone's gonna have learned. It, it, the right people listening to this show today, you know, recruitment owners in the UK and abroad will have uh, no doubt enjoyed. Listening to you, Stephen, and, and you know, getting your unique take on your experience. Um, thanks so much for the time you've given us, um, on a, on a Thursday evening. Pete enjoyed the first one, mate. I think it's uh, I've definitely give, got you more than five words. I think, I think you got at least eight.
1: I got a few in. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, Sean.
0: Yeah, I, I, I need more from you, Pete. I need you to step up. I need you to push me, push me to one side. Um, but guys, um, I really I hope you've enjoyed listening as as always, you know, I don't charge to listen to the show. I do ask you to share it. I ask you to get onto the iTunes store if you're listening on Apple and, and give us a rate a five star rating and give us your positive comments. but more than anything else, just send this to someone. So tag it in LinkedIn, send a link, whatsapp, email, whatever. if you know of another business owner who would benefit from listening to Stephen, um, then please 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 share it because together this industry will survive and I think that's what all of us on this call today really care about is making sure that you know we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't want the industry together to to come out the other side um also i want to just mention a little giveaway that we're putting together from uh for the this is exclusively for the uk recruitment audience um apologies if you're listening abroad but for the uk recruitment audience especially at such a dark time currently um we wanted to give something away so hoxo media myself and my team we're going to give podcasts are, are becoming quite a common theme We've got a lot of customers. We're running podcasts for um, myself and Pete on this on this call. Host our own individual shows. You're listening to one right now, um, and we we know there's lots of people out there that would like to launch a podcast but don't really know how. So we're giving away a free podcast setup project. Okay, so what that means is we will, I personally, with my team, will work with you and your team to define. The proposition of your unique show for your recruitment business. Um, what's the name going to be? Who, who are the guests going to be? What's the audience going to be? Why are we going to even do it? What's the point in this podcast? Um, who's going to be the host? How are you going to host it? When are you going to host it? What kit are you going to buy? We've got it all figured out. Um, we're going to work with you on that. And then we're going to create that those content assets for you, the logo, the name, the branding, the lot. And we're going to work with you to record and edit your first three episodes. And we're going to do that for free. Okay? So... There's no catch. Um, The only catch is you've got to be in the UK. You've got to be a recruitment business. You can be the consultant applying for your boss. That's great as well. But we're only going to take one vote per agency, and we're going to announce the winner in the next two weeks. So the way that you apply is through LinkedIn. Um, Any single post that we put out in the next two weeks, either on Sean Anderson or the Hoxo Media page, if we mention the the giveaway, all you need to do is write underneath that you are interested. So you write the word, write the words "I'm interested," and then we will tally that up, and we will then um, we will we will release the winner in the next two weeks. So if you're in, if you're listening now live on LinkedIn, or you're listening to the repeat on on Hoxwell Media's page, get in the comments below and write "I'm interested," and you've then nominated yourself to win um, win as well. Um, if you um, you know if if you want to nominate. As I said, if you nominate for your boss, that's cool, but we're only going to take one per group. Um, And we can start this in December. We can have you going live with your own industry-leading podcast in 2021. Hopefully, that is something you'll all enjoy. Um, So I'll be back again on Tuesday with uh, another guest. We've got some exciting guests lined up in the UK. We'll be back next Thursday, won't we, Pete, with another um, amazing uh, story from an Australian leader? Next Thursday, we've got Paul Hallam from Six Degrees Executive. Paul Hallam, the what a Barrett. character! Paul Hallam is absolute. Character. This is to be fair, he's the one guy in 150 recruitment owners who's always kept me on my toes. You know what I'm saying, Steve? He always he hit me. He always hit me with a question I, I didn't know the answer to, or I wasn't prepared for. A bit like Pete at the beginning when he was thinking about his beans on toast yeah. and hitting me with a question. <laughs> um, right. But uh, can't wait to have Paul next Thursday. Um, so, guys, thank you so much for listening today. Um, we'll see you again next week. In the meantime. Please stay safe and uh, we'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace in three years we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world we reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online and we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now we're managing the marketing for so that involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters, and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May, 2020, and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market, and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as a a supplier that acts as part of your team, or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.